0: I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Hello, family, beautiful people all across the world. Listen, I am thrilled to have a guest on the show today who we finally got her here. And she's quite brilliant in all the things that she does. And I think I am telling the truth when I say you are the first guest that we've had outside of the States, although everybody's listening outside of the States. <laughs> so like, definitely grateful to have you here today. We have Rufeda al Hatimi with us, and we just did a whole mini course on saying her name because, of course, you wouldn't notice that she has an accent. So
1: Rufeda, hello, friend. Hello. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> Finally. uh,
0: No, I know. I'm so, so excited about it. I had to do it to get the accent part right. But gosh, (laughs) tell everybody who you are and absolutely where you're from. And we're definitely going to dig into all the amazing, amazing things that you are doing for First Gens.
1: Thank you for that amazing introduction. I feel like I need to follow up now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rafeda. I've recently graduated with an English undergraduate degree. I am currently continuing my studies studying for a master's degree at the same time I'm working towards building a big community with fellow first-gen students so that we could all advocate for the things that impact us and our educational experiences together which is the best way anything to get done you know together and that's how I bumped into you <laughs> oh, I thought you love the internet it's so great the internet's amazing it's so powerful Oh, gosh, it absolutely is.
0: And so tell everybody, where are you from? We didn't hear that part because I I know they hear the accent. So where's home for you?
1: I'm in the UK, London, most specifically.
0: Ah, so, so exciting. And so what I love about this is, you know, we, again, we met several months ago and have continued to follow and keep up with each other, which is something that I truly love. And for me, learning about the first gen experience in the UK I mean it's just a different place like what does that mean because I know there you all talk about social mobility and it's really a new coin not a new coin a new term that I'm hearing more here in the states where people are talking about social mobility as a way to frame the first gen work but I would be really curious just really quickly to know what even you know got you interested in wanting to create a platform and start a community at all
1: I think educational struggles, to be honest, because I was always in an Arabic-speaking country. That's where I grew up. And then I came here towards the end of primary school, and uh, not knowing any English, and then coming into secondary school and trying to learn the language at the same time. Although it's weird when I talk to anyone from the, from the States, my accent sounds so proper. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when, I, when I actually think to myself, I'm just thinking, wow, I'm not familiar with this language. So I had to learn the language at the same time that I was studying and learning content throughout high school. And then when I came into university, funnily enough, that's when I started hearing the word first gen, social mobility, and all these different words. So like you, I'm, I'm still quite new to the, to the different language and phrases like social mobility and first generation that are being used to describe this sort of experience. But once I got into um, my university, It's one of, I think people in the States call it Ivy League universities. So our version is the Russell Group. That's what it's called here. So I go into one of the Russell Group universities, which is one of the 21st highest universities in the UK. Hmm. And I think it's a bit of an identity crisis that happened there. But I wasn't really sure what, you know, what I was struggling with, particularly. Hmm. Because the 1st year experience, I think, is something more internal than external. So it's about how you're feeling and how you feel like you can settle down in a, in a place. I think imposter syndrome is a big word that might come up a lot in our conversation because it's one thing that I felt, but I didn't realize I was feeling at that time until I became the first generation officer. Hmm,
0: how ironic, <laughs> how ironic.
1: And I thought that's so ironic. The whole experience is really ironic. I think I learned about first my first gen experience quite retrospectively as opposed to um, you know firstly identifying with being first generation and after I got that I understood okay this is this is a role for someone who's first in their family and might come from a particular socio-economic background I think I was learning about myself as I was in the role it's all very ironic and quite funny when I think back on it I think it's it's personal struggle that's what motivated me to get into the social mobility work and really be passionate about helping others who might come from a similar background to myself.
0: I love that you say that it's more internal than it is, you know, external because it is and it's one of those things you really can't put your finger on it, but mm-hmm. you know it's something. And at first you think that maybe I'm just tripping a little bit, maybe I'm, you know, overthinking and then you realize, no, 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 there's really something to this. And to actually have something that you can put with that feeling to be first gen. And like you said, all the struggles that you go through and all the things you're trying to figure out about yourself. But again, the full circle moment, how you came back to creating again your own platform and community to be able to help others so they would know they aren't alone and that what they're thinking and feeling isn't strange you know it's really one of those Mm -hmm. do I belong here you know like I said the imposter syndrome are people going to figure me out do they see me or you know am I going to make it and then what's happening you know at home with my family as well that maybe I am aware of but really don't know what I should do about or what I can do about it if anything because I'm trying to pursue my studies so Mm -hmm. I love to know that across the world literally the experience of being first gen is the same and that's something that's really been exciting me in this work and getting to meet people like yourself who are doing similar work you know all the way across the sea so thank you thank you for that for sharing thinking about the fact that you know you have graduated and you are currently in your master's program what do you wish that you knew you know before you graduated to prepare you for where you are now?
1: That's quite a funny question because it made me really realise that life after university is not all black and white and things (laughs) don't operate in a straight line. It's, you know, it operates in a circle, in a missy, like really missy, squiggly drawing that you're still continuing whilst you're observing, especially when you come from a first-gen background, I think. I feel like people assume linearity and the first step after high school is university and the next step after university is a nine-to-five job. And it's not always like that. So before graduating, although I'm still at university, I had a mini panic moment because I thought, oh my God, I have to go to the real world now. My world from now on will be devoid of any adventure, risk, and all things exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of dropped myself in a cycle of what ifs because I obviously had this social mobility project that I'm incredibly invested in. And I wanted yeah. the freedom to pursue the things that I was passionate about. And I must admit, it was all a fear of the unknown that I kept thinking about, you know, what what if I can't do this project anymore? Will I have time? You know, am I going to go straight into work or will I have a bit of time to just, you know, figure things out? Because I think when you're a first generation student, a lot of what you do is try to figure things out. And some things you figure out later than others. I think once you realize that the most important thing in decision making is knowing yourself, the things you want to pursue and the route you're most passionate about that will both bring you the most fulfillment and be impactful you can start to see that there is something to look forward to and I think that's one thing that I wish I knew because I was, I think I focused so much on the fear of the unknown and Hmm. I think it got a bit blurred for me you know, what do I want to do in the future and you know, what path do I follow what am I actually interested in I think those were big questions for me And how have you been able to find answers? I think by working backwards, really reflecting on things. You sometimes making lists, you know, I'm interested in this, this makes me really excited. And I think for some reason, a lot of the things that excited me and energized me were around this field. So empowering students um, who come from a similar background. And, you know, teaching is another thing that I've always been passionate about. So like making these lists Sometimes they don't have to be physical. Sometimes they're just mental. I just sit and reflect mm-hmm. to myself. I'm like, I'm interested in this, this, this. How do I bring these things together? And I haven't figured it out yet. I'm still in the process of figuring that out. But I think, you know, the process of reflection is helpful for me. Yeah, I love, I love
0: being in thought. And maybe sometimes I'm too much in thought. But I agree that just taking time to look at what's happened and to analyze and process things is, is an incredibly powerful. One of the reasons being, you know, it's history and mm-hmm. being someone who does enjoy history, history repeats itself. So how do we learn, you know, how to make decisions for going forward? I think it's taking a moment to look back and that looking back is reflecting and finding the themes and the patterns and figuring out the what's next based on what we know we've experienced. So I love that you do take the time to reflect and that you do value this, this space to say, I need to pinpoint these things and I can keep doing stuff and just doing it, but it makes sense to really take the time to analyze it and make it make sense. So beautiful, beautiful. So social nobility, I wanna talk about that for a second because again, it's just really big work that you are very invested in and you are clearly continuing to show up and just give your all to those around you. What has been, you know, considering all things because it is an entrepreneur pursuit. What has been the most challenging thing for you? And I'll later follow up with how has it also helped shape who you are as a woman of color and especially a woman, you know, being in the UK?
1: The biggest challenge. That's a big question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Big challenges, big challenges.
1: (laughs) I think the, the biggest challenge is the sort of definitions that we use and the language that is used. Because we earlier talked about the language and how I was also quite new to social mobility and using terms like first gen, I think definitions have been quite a challenge because with first generation, there's so many different identity groups clumped into that. Hmm. So people from like low socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, people of color, people from like so many different backgrounds. and so many different identity categories. I think working with those and producing content that allows people to embrace those different elements of their identities, because it's so easy to create something that just works for like a blanket of people. But when you, like just trying to bring it, you know, to make it that extra bit special. So that you know, people from different identity categories can also appreciate the work because there's so many people to work with and so many groups that fit into more than one a definition. And I don't want it to be a general project that is just there for the sake of being there, but really identifying our purpose and identifying, you know, what could we potentially mean for these different groups of people as opposed to, you know, a one size fits all, which is quite easy because with the first generation project, i think there's not that much out there in the uk because i've seen for the us at specifically there's so much that's available you know there's whole first generation networks projects and you know, entrepreneurs like you that are so focused on creating a difference but in the uk that's not that's not really available so i think you know being a trailblazer and being a trailblazer who's trying to Empower are other trailblazers but then this whole project in itself is a bit of a trailblazer because there's not that much out there. I think that has been a major challenge in the sense that you know there's no, I had to create my own sort of rubric blueprint in terms of what I wanted this to look like and I think the process of cancelling some things out and leaving some things in and continuing to show up, I think continuing to show up is a bit of a challenge in itself. You know just realizing you know this might not work or am I attracting the right group of people, am I attracting enough people, you know how many people am I actually making an impact on and you know continuing to turn up despite all of that, I think that has been a major challenge and I think in terms of me being a woman of colour that has also been a challenge in itself because I think it's the element of belonging as well. I just talked about, mm-hmm. you know, being first gen and identifying with multiple categories. I think the the identity of, like, race and ethnicity, that is one element that I've been trying to bring into the work, actually, because I feel like there's not that many women of colour, you know, doing things like entrepreneurship. The words kind of scares me because, you know, you, I feel like, like being first gen, you feel like you need that older figure, like whether it's a parent or old, older sibling that has done it before so that you can feel inspired by them and feel like you've got something to follow on from as opposed to starting something fresh. And the whole concept of starting something in you is scary on its own. So, you know, just sometimes having that thought, you know, I wish I had like an older sibling or like someone to look up to who's already doing this work so that I, you know, I can feel empowered. But when you're not represented in the work that is already out there and having to be the first person to do it, I think that that is scary. That's all I can say about it. It's a scary concept to even think about.
0: I definitely appreciate your transparency and just your openness really about what this is like, because same here, you know, to be honest with you. um, And it's really even empowering right now to hear that your experience is so similar although you are in a different country. I know that, I mean, yeah, we experience, you know, race in different ways, but the fact of being a woman of color, being able to see people doing things that you want to do or creating a platform and, of course, the complexities of, hey, yeah, first-gen can be first-gen college student, then first-gen college graduate, then how do you define college graduate? Is, you know, this is a professional? And then first-gen college graduates who I think are probably you know, one of the most interesting, cause it's like, well, they are first gen, but do they fit the category of work that I'm trying to do? And mm-hmm. like, yeah, they need the help and support as well. But you're first gen to get a master's or a PhD, but it's like, oh, whoa, but you're not first gen based off of being a, a graduate before your institution, you know, with your parents not having a degree. So I have had some of those same challenges as well. And just thinking like, how do I make this work best? But I know for sure that over time, It's definitely something that's become far more clear. And especially, like you said, attracting the right people. I chose to not go the nonprofit route because I knew that I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do more social work, but not to have to be nonprofit because there are some other, you know, ramifications for going that route. But anyway, long story short, it's just very affirming to know that, you know, for the work that both of us are out to do and then for, for who we are again just in different areas of the world and doing different work that we've faced some of the same barriers um or i don't say barriers but just same challenges but we figure out how to overcome them so that's great
1: yeah definitely and following going from what you just said in terms of you know how do you define first gen i find that quite interesting because i'm the first granddaughter to actually attend university in the first place because my mom's the oldest child. Um, so, you know, I get to be one of the first grandchildren. And I'm the first granddaughter to go to university from both sides of the family. So, wow. I, I guess another challenge that comes with that is trying to explain things to people, you know, how the university works. And now I'll be the first, you know, granddaughter, grandchild to do a master's degree. So, it's just, you know, trying to explain to people, you know, I am first gen and this is what life's about. This is what I do in university. And it's just the constant need to communicate with people. And actually turning up, I've realized like a lot of the work that you do, you inspire people to like turn up anyways. Like just turn up. You know, just keep showing up. And I never realized the importance of that until recently because I am quite the introvert. I like keeping myself to myself, but after I got into this work I realize that you do have to keep turning up. Otherwise, you know, someone has to be the person that starts things.
0: Mm. And who better than you? Right. I I love that. And I love that it's making you step outside of your comfort zone. So that's even more exciting to just think about the growth that's happening for you. And to be able to go back and tell another first gen about stepping outside the box or doing something bold and brave or scary, you've lived it. And that lived experience, you know, says a lot. You just you can use yourself as an example. Like, I'm telling you this because I've done it. And, you know, look at me now. <laughs> so, I mean, I just think that's really, really awesome because I think the point is really, at the end of the day, you're fine. You're just fine. And that's what fellow first gens need to see. Like, yeah, the world is big and scary. Like you said, after college, it's this whoa, what's happening right now? So not black and white. There's no four-year plan. There's no check it off the list. There's no advisor for this. You just got to figure it out. So I love that you mentioned that too. What do you think are some of the things that are helping you though to be, you know, successful just on your journey right now, both, you know, as a professional and a grad student?
1: Honestly, some major divine interventions. (laughs) That's what I can think about and another thing I'd say is determining what success means to me on a personal level Because I think when you hear the word, you know, uh, all these kind of questions, what has helped you become successful? And you just start to wonder like what is success? Have I achieved success? Because there's all these different distorted projections of success, whether that's in social media or whether it's people's expectations of you because you come from a particular background. But actually determining what success means to like to me on a personal level, knowing the targets I wanted to achieve are my own targets that I've set for myself and I've defined for myself because you know there's no one that knows you more than you can potentially know yourself. And you know, like I said, it's quite easy to feel like you need to be a certain way or take certain routes because you don't have many options for something else I think actually defining these kind of concepts like success or you know achievement after you get to define that and understand what it means for you I feel like that is the most helpful thing that you can do for yourself and it'll allow you to you know see actually what matters to me what matters to me you know is this helping me is this fulfilling me and then from that you can continue going forward and you know showing up without exerting so much energy. Because I feel like if you don't determine these things for yourself, you can easily get trapped into someone else's version of success and someone else's definition. And I feel like that's when you get a bit of an identity crisis, especially as a first gen, because it's quite a different experience.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I love the idea that you say first define what success is. Thank you for that reminder to all of us, because we look at so many, like I said, ideas of what success is. Is it having a million dollars? Is it having a big house? Or is it just having a happy, quiet life? What is that? And, you know, it's so subjective, but I do love to hear the different thoughts on what helps people in their their space to be successful or thinking about how we define it so I I love that and want to probably revisit some things myself if I'm being really honest with you but then you even mentioned like not living up to other people's like pretty much expectations or their thoughts of success that just makes me think as well with you being the first like you know from even the granddaughters on both sides how did college even become a thing that would be a part of your plan for life success
1: to be honest, I don't really know. I think part of it was the culture of the space that I'm living in. Um, I think mm. in high school, you are so encouraged. You know, after high school, you go to sixth form. So we call it college. That's why sometimes I get confused with the terminology. When you say college, you mean university. But when we say college, we mean the, the, the two years you study after high school before you go into university. So- Wow, it was, really? Yeah, so that, that I find definitions of it a bit weird. Especially when speaking to someone from outside of the UK, so after it's just a bit of a process, and I think there's an expectation that after after college you go to university, and that's basically the end goal. And I think the definition comes from after that. So, what do I want to do after graduation? I think that's the biggest question that comes from that. But part of it is a bit of a process, and you know, social mobility in the UK. A lot of what constitutes that is actually getting students from from college into university and actually allowing them to access that space.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. So is it required that you go to college after high school? Is it just another one of those things that you can do as an option, but not something that is expected?
1: It is required. So you're expected to stay in education until the age of 17, 18, 18, I think. So some, yeah, 18, some sort of education, whether that's an apprenticeship or you stay in actual an institution, it's a requirement. And after that, you're basically free to do whatever you like with your life. Okay, so
0: then what is high school there? Because high school for us, we're in high school in the States until we're 18 for the most part, unless you graduate early. And then after that, it's community college um, or university. So you have the option to go to a two year to a four year so for you all, at what age do you finish high school? Technically like 16? Yep. Wow. That's interesting. And then you go to college. So everybody goes to college there. That is so interesting. Or um, or an apprenticeship. That is actually so cool to me. And then university. And university is still four years for you all, right?
1: It depends on the course. So my one was actually three years, but hmm. some courses are four years with an integrated master's. And some courses, are you know, like medicine are five, six years.
0: That is so cool. I know, again, setups are different. Our standard here is four years for going to what you all would call university. And we say college um, or university because a college can just be an institution that has like one specific field that's more like liberal and university offers master's degrees. That's what it is. Master's and doctorate degrees. That's typically what defines a college or university for us. The difference is a college doesn't do grad school, but universities do have offer like grad schools. And then the community college, those again, still go to it and it's two years and you can choose to transfer to a four year school and still finish. So very interesting how the educational systems are set up, but also just thinking about what happens after you're done, like you said, with high school or primary school or then what's the next thing. So I think that is so cool. And when you go to college, do you get to choose like a route
1: that you take as well? Uh, yeah, you get to choose the subjects from in high school up until year nine. You, you basically do all the core subjects and then year 10 and 11, that's when you get to do your GCSEs. And with that, you choose, you have to do the core subjects like math, science and English language. And you choose for other subjects, whether it's a language, whether it's, you know, history, geography, whatever you like. And then sixth form is where you should specialize a bit further. So, you get to choose, this is where you get to choose anything essentially hmm. that would help you. But that basically determines what you do in university. Because if you choose, you know, all the humanities courses, like I decided I did, uh, English, history, sociology, and religious studies. So that meant that I can only do humanities subjects at university. But if you do sciences, that means you could do medicine or psychology. But yeah, those two years in college determine your university degree. Wow.
0: So, like, so like no, we totally just kind of went to a whole new space but I I think I love it as well and I thank you for allowing us to go there because it's definitely a learning experience to think about what it means to be first gen again just in different countries even and how much of a decision you had to make early on before you had even graduated to go to university and how that really changed the trajectory of your path and what you were able to do whereas here We graduate and then the world's wide open. So you can pretty much go to any college, university and study whatever you want to and change your majors. And so even thinking about what it means to be first gen, where you are through, again, your experiences and how much of a mature decision you had to make early on without even understanding really how how long term, you know, this would impact I guess your first experience because I'm sure it'd be so different for you here you'd be like what but that's really cool that you have that focus for sure wow but this has been an incredible conversation I'm definitely enjoying it and you know I do want to ask you to just share with us before we go what piece of advice or words of wisdom would you leave us with
1: One piece of advice that I found applicable and helpful in all areas of my life, no matter what stage I'm at, is to actually spend time getting to know yourself. I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier on how you define things like success and how you define, you know, yourself. But this is even more so important for someone who's from a first generation background because you sometimes find stereotypes or personality traits that get attached to you that aren't always true. And first generation encompasses all types of rich cultures, experiences and traditions and different identities that are unfortunately clumped together. So it's easy to face face a certain amount of identity crisis because you're a first generation student, but at the same time, you're so many different things. So spend that time with yourself, then come back to have conversations with people who may not know what it means to be a first gen. And then when you have those conversations with people, then you can tell people that not only what it's like to be first gen, but also what it means to be a first gen who's from a particular culture, who has a wealth of experience in this field and is empowered to make a difference in that space. And you know, the list just continues. Knowing yourself, I feel it's weird and it's not easy and it's uncomfortable because you are yourself. And the whole thought of it is a bit funny and weird and uncomfortable. And this exercise of reflection and inner contemplation is it's difficult because as weird as it may seem you expose yourself to yourself and then I think that makes you ruminate over things because I know myself I ruminate a lot I think oh my god I made this mistake and I did this I shouldn't have done it but yeah I feel like getting to know yourself is the biggest advice that I would give anyone and I've just noticed that I focused so much on getting to know yourself as a first gen student but this was just an example, I think. You know, I would say that it's just an example, you being first gen. But if we zoom out of the picture a little bit more, the advice I'm trying to give is to get to know yourself because then you can identify not only who you are, but the goals that you can achieve because of who you are, hmm. what moves you, what you care about. Because becoming familiar with yourself, I feel, is the greatest facilitator to progress. Only once you know yourself can you actually progress and identify who you can potentially become and i think this is like the most underrated thing that people don't really talk about getting to know yourself because it's just weird you know who doesn't know themselves but the more you think about it the more you realize that you don't really know yourself
0: because we're ever evolving oh all the gems you dropped today thank you for that i i love Uh, That's some really good, that's some really good advice. That's some really good advice. Thank you for that. But again, you have been such a joy to have. You have been a pleasure to just know and collaborate with. And, you know, by the time the good people hear this, we would have worked together again and talking about reframing failure. So looking forward to just continue to like change the world with you, literally. And just so excited about how you'll continue to build and grow and to have you, you know, as someone who I call a friend, but definitely, Rufeda, um, just want to encourage you always. And for you who was listening, who wants to connect, just check out those show notes and her contact information is listed there for her LinkedIn, Instagram, so that you can definitely be in touch. But again, Rufeda, thank you. And yeah, we are definitely going to keep talking.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. It's really great to not only have a fellow first gen friend, but someone all the way from the US. I would have never thought, figure this. This project has facilitated so many opportunities and, you know, connections from over the seas and so many firsts. I would have never thought if you told me this a few months ago that I'd be recording a podcast with someone from the U.S. So it's all really new and really exciting.
0: (laughs) That makes two of us. (laughs) Absolutely makes two of us. for sure. All right. Well, until the next time.